Hi, and welcome back. I am Dr. Michaela Rush, an OBGYN. And I am Dr. Ann Sharkey, a podiatrist. We are friends, both female and surgeons. We like to educate and have fun. We are so glad that you have tuned in to From Tits to Toes. Let's get started. All right. Next episode today. Uh, but before we get started, uh, what did you do this weekend? Or Did you do anything fun? Well, I had a lot of fun, but I didn't actually do a whole lot, which is a bit of a treat, actually. Um, so Christmas was on Friday, and I think this morning I woke up. Today is Sunday. And um, I realized I haven't left my house since Thursday, and that's amazing. I, yeah, so I had a great time. I hung out with my husband and my daughter, and we had our little COVID Christmas at home. Um, but we watched the new Disney Pixar movie, Soul, which was really oh, super cute. We did too. We watched yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, it was great. It was just like a lot of a lot of eating, a lot of relaxing, and um, a lot of deconstructing of cardboard boxes <laughs> yes <laughs> how about Lots you of, uh, tissue paper in the trash um yeah no we did great um we had our christmas here at home and i think the kids stayed in their pajamas pretty much all day long we got them robes and they were just fascinated Ooh. and they were very excited about robes which i think is hilarious but they were very excited about them which i like and uh I it's very Godfather-esque. Everyone yeah. walking around in their robes. <laughs> it's so cute to have little kids in robes. Um, but no, it was fun. I I was I would have stayed in my pajamas all day long, but um, one of my kiddos got a bike, so we watched him ride a, around outside. And so I did have to go outside, and I didn't want to be outside in pajamas all day long. So um, I did put clothes on for Christmas, and we hung out. And then uh, we went to our ranch over the weekend where we keep our bees. So we did check on the bees this weekend. So yeah, not too so bad. So what are what are bees doing this time of year? Are they just kind of low key activity? Or are they are they doing anything in particular in the winter? Yeah, they kind of hunker down in the winter. It depends on the location. So here in Texas, it can be pretty cold or it may be warmer. Like today, this afternoon, it actually got up into the low 70s, so it was kind of nice. So the bees will actually come out when it's warmer. Um, but normally, when it's cold and wintry, they kind of huddle in and they make little. Uh, warm balls where they keep themselves warm in the center of the uh, hive. So they have certain ways of keeping themselves warm and designating food to each other. And, and basically, you have to make sure that they've been prepped ahead of time to be able to sustain themselves for an entire winter um, because sometimes it's too cold to come out at all. But in Texas, yeah, it's different. They'll come out whenever it warms up a little bit, but we get those hot and cold spells all the time. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, let's get started on the episode. Yes, I'm so excited. So, um, obviously, in podiatry, there's we don't deal with placentas. Um, so, I think start help me out. Kind of just I know what a placenta is vaguely. So, I think for the benefit of me and our listeners, tell us a little bit about the placenta in general. Yes, of course. So, placenta, what is it? Well, it technically is an organ. So. It's an organ that develops in the uterus during the pregnancy, so it provides the oxygen and nutrients to the growing baby uh, while the baby's growing and removes the waste products from the baby's blood. So it's their vital connection to mom. So it's where it gets oxygen, 
and it's where the waste products go because they can't do that. So until they're born, they have everything goes to and from the placenta through the umbilical so cord. It basically could be the lungs and the kidneys of the mm-hmm. baby. It's pretty much everything until they're born when everything starts to work on their own. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So the umbilical cord runs from the placenta to the baby into their uh, belly button, their umbilicus. So the placenta can attach inside the uterus in different locations, but usually it's along the wall. It can be on the backside or the top or the front. Sometimes there's unusual locations um, where it could be down by the cervix. So if it's covering the cervix, it is called a placenta previa. And that's a problem because a baby can't deliver naturally that way. If it's covering it, it's basically blocking it. So they can't deliver through the placenta because they would hemorrhage, basically. They can't just go straight through it. So if someone has a placenta previa where it's blocking the cervix, they would need a C-section to deliver the baby. So it's just a, it's an important um, organ for the baby and for, you know, the mom as well. But it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a question. So placenta previa, I think I've had a few friends who have had that and um, to v- different varying degrees of severity, if I understood it correctly. Um, some of them maybe even had some versions of bed rest in the beginning. Is that, um, how does that determine based on what's more severe? And I know some of them moved, some of them kind of like got better, some never changed. Yeah. So it depends on the type of previa. So sometimes they're complete previas where the entire thing covers the cervix smack dab in the middle. And then sometimes they're more on the edge. So it can be a complete previa where it's just the edge of it covering it completely. But then usually over time will slowly move away from the cervix and then it'll be uncovered later. So those are the ones that we watch to see when they actually are away from the cervix enough so that they can deliver naturally. And we will we'll measure it and check it. But um, yeah, there's a complete um, and there's incomplete. There's marginal previas. Um, and we measure them in centimeters how far away the placenta is to the cervical opening. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So what happens, what happens to the placenta after you, after you deliver? So after the baby's delivered, it usually will naturally deliver itself within seconds or even minutes. So sometimes up to 30 minutes, it'll come out later. Um, but it just kind of depends on the circumstance. So in a vaginal delivery, it can be fairly quick or it can take a few minutes to deliver the placenta. And then once the placenta is delivered, the uterus will then contract down on itself to help stop itself from bleeding. Basically, it's a survival mechanism. So the placenta detaches, it expels, and then the uterus will kind of clamp and cramp down and to stop itself from bleeding. And it'll be a nice firm ball, basically. Um, and then that placenta is then usually discarded. Or sometimes we send it to pathology to have them check it for certain issues. And then sometimes people will take it home. So it just depends on the circumstance. And we're going to talk a little bit about those patients. Who take yeah, it yeah, the taking it home part is of particular interest. So the big question is, what can you do with your placenta after it's delivered? Well, the most common things I actually know of are either consuming it, where you either cook it or encapsulate it. Um, and doing some of this research was interesting. There are so many recipes online for this, which I found weird and fascinating, but, um, there was tacos and all kinds of things, but oh, wow. okay. personal recipes, if you want, um, but like can, a whole Pinterest section on that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's a whole separate section for that. <laughs> um, but the three things I usually know about are consuming it in some form or fashion, 
um, whether you cook it or encapsulate it, um, using it for art or making art out of it um, or planting it. So I know a lot of patients will plant it under a tree or, you know, something that's sentimental or significant to them. Um, There's supposed to be a lot of nutrients in it so it can help uh, plants and uh, trees grow. But, But yeah, so I did find another list. So I found a list of 15 things you can do with the placenta other than eat it. So these, some of these are kind of interesting. So, and this is came, this came from babygaga.com, which I've never heard of, but I, in my Googling uh, time, I found this site to be kind of interesting. So I found this fascinating that this is actually, some of these are actually things, but number 15 is you can craft a teddy bear from it. Now cool. there's an actual picture and we, maybe we can upload this one to Instagram as well, but I think we're going to need to, I need I, to see this picture. It's hard to envision this. Uh, unless you see it, but they took a placenta and they dried it out. Um, they cured it um, like you would leather, I guess. So you cut it, they cut it in half and they rubbed it with sea salt and they cured the placenta and left it to dry. And then once it's done drying, they treated it with tannin and egg yolk, just like leather basically. Um, and then they made it soft and pliable and then they shaped it into a bear and sewed it together into a bear. And voila, it says, they have their new first accessory. <laughs> oh my. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's the first time I've ever heard of that or seen it. So I found that pretty interesting and we will have to upload that one to Instagram. Um, <laughs> All I can think of is if you have a dog, that's not going to go down well. No. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> that's so true. Oh my God. The dogs would totally sniff that out. I'd be gone in yeah. a heartbeat. Oh. All right. Um, and then, so the next one was create art prints. So this is what I usually knew about it. I knew people who would actually take the placenta and then use it and dip it into paint and put them onto canvas and actually make art from it. So I know a lot of people do actually save it for that and use it for that. So, um, that one wasn't too surprising. One per, one of the things on here said paint a onesie with placenta blood. So I guess you just use the blood from the placenta to actually paint the onesie. Um, It's like finger painting. I don't know. I found that weird. Planting it, which is the other one I knew about. um, That one kind of helps different trees. You bury it. You know, some in some places did it naturally. Um, The cultures buried the placenta, like the Navajo Indians did it. England did it. So there's they bury them. Um, it, It symbolized the baby's connection to Earth. So some did it. For other reasons, and then some actually do it like for some sentimental reason, like you know they planted a tree for their grandmother, and then they put the buried the placenta there, and that sort of thing. Okay, I can see that. That's kind of cool. Um, another one that said make it into a body butter. I I don't know. I don't even know how. To, no, <laughs> placental jewelry. So this one is taking little tiny pieces of it and actually uh, putting it in clear like a uh, clear. Um, jewelry, I guess. So like it's kind of similar situation, something like that. Like, I think there's things that, you know, you can get in where you encase it and it's sure. It, yeah. But you can put different designs. You can cut it up and put it in a different design. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I guess you can do that also with um, the cord too. There's different homeopathic remedies, I guess that some people use. So you can encapsulate them, but I know some have actually been known to powder them and put them into other remedies, you know, and using them and other things. Once it's a powder, you can pretty much put it into anything. 
um, make the umbilical cord into a keepsake. So some of them would actually use the umbilical cord if it's long enough. They would spell words. In this one, the example was love, the word love and in cursive, <laughs> and then you let it dry, and then you can't keep it. Okay. You have to have a thin enough one to do that with, because some of them are not that thin, and then you has to you know, be long enough to be able to write anything in it. I don't know. Make a photo frame out of it. Let's see. Use it as a face mask, and I think it's more about the blood from it as a face mask. Okay. Oh, sure. I, I see what you're okay. probably suffocate. You just buried your like face. Like a vampire facial, but with your placenta. Yeah. Kind of like a facial with placenta blood. Donating it. It kind of just depends on the country. So they're saying, I think it's talking more about donating blood, like cord blood cells, stem cells, uh, but that you don't actually donate the full placenta, but you can donate the cord itself for tissue, but you wouldn't actually donate the cord or the, uh, sorry, the placenta, just the cord. And then one another list was carry it around. So some will put it in the bag, keep it connected to the baby and carry it around with the baby until it falls off naturally later. So I have heard about that. Some are, you know, using it as food for animals. You can save it and then use it as food for animals. And then <laughs> I love the last one. Or you can also leave it at the hospital. <laughs> so it, when someone decides to take it home with them, mm-hmm. what what does it go in? Like a Ziploc bag or? So usually it has to be kept on ice. So actually for the ones, and I'm going to actually go into the policy. I printed the policy at our hospital um, about okay. those who want to take their placentas home. But basically the rules are it needs to stay on ice because it's an organ. It can become necrotic. Yeah, it can, decompose. it can become necrotic. So you have to keep it on ice. So usually if you're planning on saving your placenta to encapsulate it, which is the most common thing I know of, most of my patients will encapsulate it. And then I'm um, guessing you have to like ship it off to somewhere where they encapsulate it for you and then ship it back or do you encapsulate it yourself at home? Um, some do different things. So some do it at home. Um, but usually here in Austin, there are services. They will come to your home and do it at your home. So you know it's your own placenta, everything's done. Yeah. So, but they'll usually come to your house and do it for you, but you have to take it home somehow. So usually you have to bring a cooler with ice. So bring some sort of a cooler and then you put it, we'll put it in a biohazard bag or a bag of some kind, and then it has to be on ice. So usually there's either people bring ice packs or we have, you know, the ice machines, you know, on the floors. Uh, but they'll usually fill the cooler with ice, put it in the bag, and then take it home. And usually those people get on it right away because otherwise it can become necrotic. So you have to get on that right away. Sure. So they're prepared for that. After yeah. By the time yeah. You, you pre-plan it and you talk to them in advance so that they're prepared and they're ready and they know and that you know all the rules and what you need to do and how fast you need to get it to them. So you have to call them and then they will usually take care of it at your house. Usually boil it down or dry it out and then they encapsulate it and they do everything there but they try to do well the ones i've talked to and the ones i know of here they usually do at, the, at your house okay i don't know if they've changed any of those rules sure. with covid and all of that but um, and what are the top reasons why people would have encapsulated placenta like what are the benefits to the mom for consuming that so it's usually the most common reasons are either for um energy like to help with anemia or okay. depression. So to help with or prevent postpartum depression. 
Um, there's other reasons and other cultures for it, but I'd say that's, those are the most common two reasons that we see here, um, is the depression and the anemia. However, there's not a lot of studies supporting. So I was just going to ask, it's not routine. So is there a lot of studies or it's all just sort of anecdotal evidence that people believe these things are? Some is anecdotal. The only studies um, are not very well done. There's no controls. So there's no randomized controlled studies saying it, improving it. So they just really don't have the controls on the other end saying, yeah, that actually makes a difference. So okay. when they do their own studies and they check their blood count a couple months later and their blood count's a little higher, well, it naturally does rise after you deliver. You hemoconcentrate back up, which is a normal mechanism of delivery that you lose some blood, but then you hemoconcentrate back up. So you're not anemic anymore. So that naturally happens anyway. So the question is, did it happen already on its own or did it improve because of the encapsulated placentas? So that the verdict is still out there. They just don't have the actual studies out there proving it. But there's a lot of people who believe in it. And there's a lot of cultures yeah. that believe in it for other reasons, um, spiritually and all of that. So, Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Thanks for sharing. And here's a great listener question that was left on our voice message about placentas. I'm kind of uh, curious to know if you guys think eating your own placenta is a form of cannibalism. My name's Nadine Bukowski. Ooh, great question, Nadine. Is eating the placenta an act of cannibalism? Well, it's actually debatable. So the actual definition of cannibalism is one species eating or consuming the tissue of the same species. So technically, um, the placenta is a human organ, and humans eating a human placenta is technically probably, uh, by definition, a form of cannibalism by some, um, but it is one of those debatable topics. So, you know, I'd say... Uh, you get some for and some against, but yeah, it is a debatable topic. So good question. Thanks for your question, Nadine. For Texas, anyway, we have the Department of State Health Services um, information about taking home your placenta. So this is the form that we have and we give to the patients at our facility. So it talks about the bloodborne diseases and what you should know that diseases are spread through the blood that are known as bloodborne diseases. And the placenta contains blood. So if the mother is infected, her placenta may be able to transmit that bloodborne disease to the other people, such as HIV, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, any of those. Um, and the placenta is exposed to other possibly infectious germs like the group B strep. The Texas law requires that mothers be tested for certain infectious disease. And by law, you will not be a, allowed to take your placenta home if you test results show that you have any of those diseases. So they will not allow you to take it home if you're known to have HIV or hepatitis B or hepatitis C or anything that could be in the placenta that could be passed along. Um, and then handling of the placenta, this is where it just talks about um, the procedure about um, keeping it cool, refrigerated before taking it home. Um, but it, it reduces, but doesn't eliminate or kill the germs. But Basically, you got to keep it cold until you get it home. And then keeping it refrigerated and sealed and keep it away from other foods. 
and washing your hands thoroughly before and after touching the placenta. And then if you plan to consume the placenta in any way, be sure to handle it as if you would raw meat and cook it thoroughly to avoid consuming germs that may have grown in the placenta since birth. And then wash cooking utensils, pots, and surfaces with warm soapy water after preparing your placenta. And then dispose of any unused portion of the placenta. Um, you have to check for local regulations for disposal requirements for that if you're trying to dispose of the pieces of the organ. So I guess you can't just toss it. And then the other thing to know is formalin. If your placenta is placed in formalin, um, it is unsafe to eat, drink it, or inhale formalin at all. So you should not consume a placenta if it's been placed in formalin. So if it was already sent down to the pathology lab and they already put it in formalin, it should not be ingested and should not be encapsulated or cooked. <laughs> that makes good sense. That's a nice carcinogen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So don't, don't eat formalin. That's not good. We also have a listener story about a placenta that was sent in by voice message. A friend of mine told me a story many years ago. He said that when his wife had a baby, he took a bite of the placenta and then they buried it uh, in his front yard under a tree. He said that was a family tradition. The males did that for many years, many generations. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what he told me. That's it for today. Thank you for tuning in. We have been loving all the feedback and questions we are receiving. Keep them coming. If you want to leave a voice message, just go to anchor.fm, find our podcast, and click on message. You may even hear your question on the show. Don't forget to click subscribe so you'll be the first to know every time we released a new episode. And we would be so grateful if you'd take the time to rate and review our podcast. Your rating and reviews helps to others to find our podcast. Most importantly, we want the show to cover topics you are interested in and would love for you to send in any questions that you have for us. We also encourage you to send any funny stories you may have about an experience at the doctor's office or with surgery. We love a good laugh. You can email us at podcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at from tits to toes. And remember, keep your tits up and your toes down. <laughs>